Welcome to episode 365 of Texing. Today is our one-year anniversary where you could listen to Texing for one day of, well, every day of one year. Um, Jason and myself have been doing this thing for 12 years at this point. No, 14. We'll be four, it'll be 14 in uh, June. We started in June of 2009. OMG. It's 14 years. years. This uh, 13, 14, yeah. This, this podcast is a teenager with all the same kind of attitude and malaise and just dysfunction that your typical teenager has. <laughs> your exhibits. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, uh I was yes. just I was just posting on Discord that um, so uh, something that came up on Hacker News was um, a link to uh, what is it Eleven Labs um, the new voice tech the new AI voice tech that they've come up with right and it's you you train a model so you could train it on Jason you could train it on Justin and it it's it's insanely accurate like I mean you you cannot tell that it's 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 not just a person talking. Now, I don't know if it, it would it would be so uh, eloquent that it could like mimic you talking for hours and hours and hours. Like maybe someone would start to notice some repetitive, you know, uh, aspects. But it seems really, really good. And what I posted in Discord is, I mean, we are within striking distance of being able to create this show so that it can run for eternity simply by uh, doing a voice model of both of our voices, mm-hmm. by... Um, putting the typical things that we say, like, for example, once a show, you'll talk about a technology that you'll say, I'm going to build it myself. I'm not going to use that library. You know, and once a show, I'll say, I'm going to do a diet, you know, or something like that. I've got this new diet. And so we're just, we're just like our, our core themes and then our core personalities and then just run it to look at basic tech. And we will literally be able to create an automated texting show for the rest of eternity. Yeah, that would be something isn't that what they call the isn't that what they call the singularity <laughs> once you could get texting to run for eternity that's the singularity that's pretty much the definition of the singularity that I mean, well here's a question here's a question though um does the voice you know how when you listen to like um text to speech and it's like really hard to listen to because it's very robotic and it's and they don't get the intonations right or the pauses right or the emphasis right and you know whenever there's like an article listen to this article and you're just like three sentences you're like oh screw that that's terrible i mean is it listenable i mean you it, oh, it, it sound just like- sounds like me or you it's it's like it's very very human so that just came out of nowhere because this whole text to speech thing has been like stuck yeah. At a plateau for it seems like 15, 20 years, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's it just, just yeah, eleven labs. And so that it's I mean that it's still it's still prototypes, but but like next year, this stuff is gonna be So this available. is like GPT three. So when GT GPT four comes out of this, yeah. The the GTP four, GPT four equivalent of eleven labs, it's done. Oh, I'm not even joking. Like this like even though it sounds like a joke, like we will no. be able to do this, like because we've got so much data to be able to train our voice models on, and the different quirks and intonations and weirdness, and like it, it will literally be able to train it to say literally. See, that's just horrible because all the all this, the same things that make me wince every time I listen to myself. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be like, oh, it's the same. It's the same thing when you have your when your kids start exhibiting your behaviors or personality quirks, and you're just like, 
oh, it's just the it's just like that sort of <laughs> mirror, you know, that that overly honest mirror that you yeah, just don't want to yeah. look into. It's like, oh, that's my kid, and he's just like me. Great. Um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a lot of pain, Justin. That's gonna hurt. That's as gonna so, hurt. I, as soon as it's as soon as it's possible, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it a reality. And because because there's some cool themes. There's some really you know we, like we're we're quite uh, predictable, you know, in what we say in some ways. You know, the the kind of themes that we go along. Oh, just wow. our segments, our show well, segments. Speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, predict this. No, but that 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 would be part of the the, the Jason Roberts personality. The Jason Roberts personality is contrary. You cannot predict what I'm going to say. <laughs> like I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> I know half the people listening to this right now are thinking that. Like I knew he was going to say that. Jason was not going to like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yes, the singularity is near. Nearer. It's ever nearer. Right. Um. Well. Um. We we talked about the GPT stuff last time, didn't we? You were you were sort of. I don't think we've. I don't know if we've ever gone super deep into it. I mean, we've we've more. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when we said, "Oh, GPT helping you with code" or something like that, we we'd probably poo poo it rather than be, "Yay, this is really good." But it probably is starting to be quite helpful. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of people on Twitter saying, "You know what." I I'm using this now. I've got a tab open, and it's just there all the time for me to get shortcuts. Yeah, I I think um, shortcuts to coding. Yeah, I think I think it's like IntelliSense, but like an order of magnitude better than IntelliSense. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, where it's like it's a good way of putting it. If you if you had to code now without IntelliSense, you'd be like, oh my god, like it'd be brutal. Or like refactoring, you know, like you know, you right click on a name like a class name or function name, you say rename symbol and it renames it everywhere in your project, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And if you had to do that manually and you didn't have like a search and replace, you had to like manually do it. Oh, you'd geez. be like, what the? That'd be a nightmare, oh right? And, yeah. um, and you know, so like if you got rid of IntelliSense and that kind of stuff and then you, that will probably be like three, four, maybe five years from now with with these code co-pilots or these code completion um, tools where people just get so used to it, they're like, "Yeah, I can code without it," but it's like really kind of slow and painful at times. It's like, um, like okay, so like back in the day when we used to do uh, web web services, uh, you'd have to build like when when I first got to Amazon Cloud, you'd have to build all the machines manually. Then we got to um, able to use Salt or Chef or Puppet, and it could like spin up the machines and just create like a whole bunch of different machines. Mm-hmm. But now we're at Laravel Vapor where you just don't need machines. So like there's there's literally nothing. So it's like every each one of these is an order of magnitude better. Like in the in the very old days, configuring every machine was such a nightmare, you know, apt, get, yeah. PHP, whatever. And then and then it was like, okay, now I can just run my 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 chef script or whatever. And now it's just like serverless, don't need anything. So it's always this like I mean this is this isn't an exact reply to you, but it's it's like it just reminded me of this thing that is just ex- how how exponentially things get better exponentially uh, yeah well the the um the other thing though is it's not like you're going to be able to code with one of these code completion things and not know how to code it all yourself oh no way you know it's still um it's still a long way from that and you know so for instance imagine there there was something like this for like electronic circuit design right 
I couldn't sit down there and be like, well, lay out a circuit that does a par- I wouldn't even know where to start. And be like, oh, I'm like, I guess that's right. I don't, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, right. I wouldn't know, you know. And I know a little bit about circuits and the components and current and voltage and stuff, but I would, I, it just wouldn't really work. So I, th- I think it's less going to, it's less going to be about replacing coders. It's just going to amplify coders. Mm. It's it, it, in, in in certain ways and certain uh, doing certain things. It's like, um, like think about it as um, the self driving car technology, where it's like it's not really going to drive you reliably everywhere, but you can you know this sort of thing. Like you can kind of you know it's like super con- true cruise control. You can have it drive in traffic. You're sitting there with your hands on the wheel. As long as you're gonna drive, you wouldn't put your ten year old kid in the front seat with the steering wheel and the thing drive it. You'd be like, no. That's that's not there, so yeah. I think it's I think it's one of those things where, and, 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 so if anybody's thinking, oh my god, it's going to replace coder, you shouldn't. No one needs to learn how to code anymore. That's not. I don't think that's going to be true because what's going to happen is, or what's continuing to happen is, we have more and more and more code, um, being written, doing more and more things. Right, the whole software is eating the world. That is continuing to happen, and um, every time we think, well, like everything, you know, there's like apps or services that do all this kind of stuff but so so many of these things are so like they only solve the problem to a small degree nothing's interoperable like you'd like it's just like very much a partial a partial solution um and so there's just going to be huge amounts of code that's that needs to be written in our world to make things more and more efficient right which means just because you can make a coder twice as efficient or three times as efficient, it doesn't mean they're going to run out of, of opportunities to make to make the world more efficient, which means we're not going to run out of opportunities to make um, for, uh, job opportunities, career opportunities. I think I think that th- there will be a time where it, where you can do it, though, because it comes down to the to the data set. So, for example, um, so the, the tweet that I saw talking about GPT-4 they said it's got to the point where you can type in a prompt and get a sixty thousand page, a sixty thousand word book back, and the and the only reason why that's possible is because you can you can go ahead and scan and scan in so many books. So I wonder if we got to the point where the the, the data set literally had complete code sets, you know, com- complete projects, end to end projects. That may be a point where you could kind of go, okay. I don't think you're going to say, hey, you know, build Math Academy. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, come no, on. No, it's no, just no. not going to work like at that level. Or, you well, know, build I mean, Twitter. Just implement well, all of Twitter. I mean, come well, on. No, that probably will. I mean, so not Code not code Academy, but, but Twitter is a good example because Twitter is like the Hello World app. You know, like the, the first version, the simple version of Twitter is well, a tri- the tri- the trivial yeah. 0.001% of it. But yeah. there's just so much to it. I, I, I don't know. I mean... It's it's that stuff's a ways off. So, but but yeah. any time the tools become more powerful, um, it, it raises the it raises it raises the ante. Like, what's the baseline level of the techno of the of the software or the apps that we want, right? Because the tools get better, then then the solution the the then the, what the tools build is better, and then in order to compete, you have to offer something that's even more sophisticated, and so it keeps raising the bar, right? Um, so I, I think, um, I mean, we have a long way to we have a long way to go. So I don't. I mean, I I I'm a believer that these tools are 
powerful and are going to be useful and are going to be integrated into our IDEs, just like IntelliSense. You don't even think about it half the time. Um, you know, it's sort of like, you know, remember back in the day when we had to go to Stack Overflow and you'd kind of look and then you find, I guess that's my solution, cut and paste it, change it around a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's going to be the next stage in that. Justin, you there? You stalled out on me. Hey, yeah. 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 So, but uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about talking to Colby about that. It's like, on the one hand, I want him to become comfortable with that kind of technology. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you don't want computer science students to be using it to do all their homework and stuff so they just, they never learn the stuff, right? Mm. So there's a fine line between, hey, good, good, get good at chat GPT, like learn how to use this stuff, integrate it with your workflow. And then all of a sudden you find out that they use it for 80% of their homework. And then they just, but is it a bit like a calculator? Like, I mean, calculator, when a calculator first came out, it's like, Oh, that's, you know, if you give those to kids, then they're just going to cheat. No, because uh, you'd only say that if you don't know anything about math. Okay. Because doing, I mean, yeah, if you give it to like first and second and up through fourth graders, when really all they're doing is arithmetic. Right, exactly. Long addition, multiplication. Um, and you say use a calculator. Yeah, maybe. But at that level, but at that level, obviously, teachers and parents are checking their work, right? I'm seeing you work this stuff out. You don't just write the answer to 375 divided by 15. You go, okay, okay let me see what you did there. Um, uh, the, the, the th- but beyond that, calculators don't really help in algebra or trig. Or I mean, you need it for trigonometry to a certain degree, or in calculus. I mean, you need it for certain types of calculus problems. You're not gonna. I mean, but then there are online solvers. There's like SymboLab and stuff where you can type in a an equation or something and say, you know, or find the integral of this or differentiate this or whatever, and it will do it. Right. In fact, we've had kids who cheat, who 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 you know, we've we've found cheating doing that. Who the teachers are like, hey, man, you can't. You can't be doing that. Uh, that's a funny. It's a funny thing about. Um, did you see the Wolfram Wolfram Alpha post? Uh, Wolfram Wolfram post that I posted to Discord. I didn't read it. I mean, I I I think I or I read it or skimmed it. But basically, he was like saying you, you you're going to have to have some underlying intelligence like Wolfram Alpha does. Yeah, he's basically is like um, if you ask if you do math with uh, with GPT uh, three, you will get very sensible sounding answers. But actually, it has no understanding of math. <laughs> so, That's right. That's right. So it'll give you, it'll just give you back stuff that it thinks is right based on what it read around the internet. And there's there, he gave lots of examples of like where this is wrong and this is wrong. And I thought mm. that was quite an interesting concept. I think it would be like taking somebody like you who's you know a smart, articulate guy, and I say, hey, I know you don't know math, but find the answer to this you know differential equations. And you'd be like, yeah, I don't really yeah. know what a differential equation is, but I typed it in, and this was the answer. And in some cases, you'll be right. In other cases, I'd be like, Justin, wait, wait, what? That has anything to do with what I asked you about? You're like, oh, I don't know. That's just what it said, you know. And that's that's essentially what's happening. Do you I, think? Yeah. Do you think we're um we're close to AGI? No. Uh, artificial general intelligence. No, 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 not even close. Okay, that's interesting. So I, 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 this is something I would, I would bet with you on. Okay. I'd, I'd, I'd bet that. Okay, I don't know what you mean by. By the way, when I say close, I mean I'm saying within five years. And let's bet. Let's bet right now. Okay. I thousand dollars. 
Yeah, I'll bet a thousand dollars that right. in five years we'll have we'll have artificial general intelligence. Okay, and yeah. and, and and define it how, because how of the you... exponentials. I I think, I think um, if it's not if it's not actually sentient, it like like sort of it, it, it's it's going to be just a really it, an impossible impossible to tell. Um, it's indistinguishable from sentient within five years. From biological sentience, it'll be cool. yeah. From from just speaking to a person, All right. like just, I'll take that yeah. bet. I'll take that. You know action. what I mean? All like, right. So so everybody, we have our witnesses here on the show, <laughs> and we'll let them be the judge. And we'll let them be the judge. We'll let them be the judge. They can they can if, if you know in five years from now. So uh, yeah, it's funny. I've never day. seen. I've I, like I I really feel like I'm in the money here. So this is a good bet. This is a good bet. I think your I think your G Wiz view of technology has overcome you a little bit. No, man, the exponentials of the GPT stuff and where and where we're going with that and the models and the training sets and yeah, but the GPT stuff there it has it's just statistical. It's just it's it's just it's I mean it's it's a powerful tool, but it's just a parlor game that imitates intelligence, but it doesn't hasn't have any true understanding. We have no idea how to even really um, approach intelligence it's just a statistical um it's just statistical relationships between word frequencies and word and word um conjugations and things well it might be out a thousand but at least i've got at least i've got five years to earn it (laughs) yeah yeah all right so let's uh (laughs) let's oh you know speaking of um the vapor stuff you're talking about using uh was it laravel vapor vapor Vapor, which is sort of the serverless it's like the like it's like a what is there is it their um tools around um like lambda like uh, aws yeah. lambda yeah so so basically you build you build uh your normal local laravel uh mm-hmm. app which is like the laravel framework and it all works locally like a typical normal stack on your local machine and then you deploy it to lambda and it basically uh, just works the same way except using the serverless tech so mm-hmm. it's it's sort of in a lambda function so it was i was i was reading some um a couple of different blog posts by um, DHH, you know, mm-hmm. Rails guy, Dan- oh, yeah. David Hanneman. Mr. Hansen. Contrarian, right? Yeah, well, he's <laughs> just like, they are spending. They were spending like, you know, several million dollars a year on AWS. And there was a 37 signals, um, uh, there, you know, written specifically by 37, sig- 37 signals team um, about how that was partitioned out between RDS and S3 and EC2 and, you know, all that elastic cash and everything. And um, it's huge. I mean, it was like a combination of the new Basecamp and their Hey email service, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was just like, this is insane. And so, you know, he w- he wrote up, you know, he's going to say he's going to write up more what they're replacing with it, but that you can buy some really powerful servers and... Um, they think that, you know, even when you account for, yeah, there's a little more stuff that we have to do in terms of administration or whatever. It's not that much. And it's just going to save an obscene amount of money. And I feel like that's the same thing with things like Lambda and Vapor. It's that stuff, you know, when you, you consider like if you if you had like a predictable, consistent amount of, of, of workload and you're paying for something like Lambda versus running all this stuff on your own on your own iron with your own stuff it seems like it would just be order well it's also expensive i mean that was the decision that we made when we were doing morning brief because uh, we had we had jobs running all the time and we realized that if we had run that on laravel a vapor it would have cost like you know five times more 
than so, just the regular cloud. <laughs> so Lambda itself is more expensive than just running a regular instance on the cloud. And the regular cloud is much more expensive. It's already more expensive than running yeah, yeah. Bare, bare metal, yeah. And so I think, you know, I guess me being the typical contrarian, I was looking at that, I'm like, that's exactly the way I feel about it. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, if your workload is really low and you're like, look, I, I spend a couple hundred dollars a month on servers you know, for AWS, and it doesn't really cost me a whole lot, then whatever. This, just in terms of developer um, time, right? Or admin time. Um, but I think once you get up beyond a, you know, there's some critical point where you hit, hit and you go, you know what? Now the expense is getting so great, it would just make a lot more um, sense for us to to just do it ourselves. You know, and I mean, I think long before you get to several million dollars. But I mean... Like so, modern teacher is the perfect use case of why where something like Vapor is really good, mm -hmm. because um, you you can have a scenario where you can have ten thousand users just all come on to, to modern teacher at one go, mm -hmm. and to do that you need to sort of be ready with a full uh, infrastructure of orchestrated machines, which is very painful because you need to have you know machines that are workers you need to have machines that are servers you need to have machines that um, do other stuff and to orchestrate all of those machines and keep them connected and get them all talking to each other is a painful thing to do especially um, when you're not quite sure when the 10,000 people are going to come but still everything does work on a single stack like on a single uh, local server so that's something that you could put on vapor and it'd be really cool because most of the time modern teacher has you know 50 people <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the so the so it's cost very bursty. It's very inconsistent. Very bursty. So the cost would be super low to to maintain that. So right now our costs are in the thousands a month. You know, yeah. Um, but the cost would go down to like a hundred bucks. hundred bucks. You know. So under under that burst scenario, and and plus also the orchestration of because literally I've got twenty five machines that I have to manage. That's painful. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Because it's code, it's code that manages those machines, and so you you literally forget about all of that when you use vapor. Oh wait, so I don't understand. So you're saying stuff, some of the stuff is vapor, and some of the stuff is not vapor. So you have no, 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 none of it's vapor with modern teacher. But what I'm saying is, is that there's there's a uh, configured with um, salt stack. There's there's one machine that's a a web server. So a web server has to have Nginx on it, has to have PHP, and it has to have all these different versions. Another version is a worker, and that has to have a browser shot to do various different things. And another machine is um, like a, a worker operator. And so the, each of these different machines, they're all based on Linux, but they all have different roles. So to scale, you need to, you need to essentially shard stuff in the cloud to, mm -hmm. to scale to have 10,000 people. But the stack can still just work, you know, uh, on just one machine, it can theoretically work. So, mm -hmm. that, and that's the key to the vapor. So I can run this thing locally, just on my local machine. I can push it to vapor. I, I actually can't with modern teacher because you, you, there's, there's work that you have to do to make it work on vapor. But if I could, it would be amazing. It would be so oh, much So what you're saying is that this, is, this is, that vapor would ultimately be, be a better solution. Oh, much better. If, if much management better was willing teacher, to, yeah. if management was willing to spend the resources for you to do this to make the transition, exactly. Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. It would save it would save me so much work and effort, and it would be so much better for us in those burstable situations that keep coming up. And um, so that what I'm trying to say is that that a case like um, 37 Signals, it makes total sense for them to go bare metal, and a case like Modern Teacher, it makes total sense for them to go the opposite direction, and be uh, lambda. 
Yeah, see, I Math Academy, I, I need to look closer at the logs, but, um, well, we certainly have times of the day where there's more people working on it, you know, during daylight, daytime hours in the U.S. or whatever. But at a certain point, since we're global and we have people in Asia and Europe and Australia and stuff like that, um, it's like people are using it 24-7 right and mm, exactly. and because yeah. it's not necessarily like something that just happens at a school it happens 12 months out of the year you know and there's a slow period during like some you know big big, big holidays for you know the western speaking world for instance like christmas and things but um <clears throat> generally speaking people are using it all the time so it's more consistent no exactly so well so what happens with modern teacher is we get a new district joining and the district has 10,000 teachers mm-hmm. and they say okay at you know at 11 a.m on Monday, everyone's going to use Modern Teacher at the same time. <laughs> right, right. So it's like just this artificial situation creating this crazy burst of yeah. 10,000 concurrent users. Right, you know, right, right. <laughs> Which is, I think, I would imagine very rare for any any system. So Modern Teacher is probably <clears throat> one of the very few places where it's like, yeah, that makes total sense. Well, you know, I was, um, I was reading another article that came up about... Um, uh, I can't remember what it was. The guy had converted uh, Node.js to um, Rust, mm. and it was like an order of magnitude faster. Um, memory, not CPU usage as well as memory usage. And Node is pretty damn fast, right? It's a, it's it's just in time compiled. It's not slow at all. It's not like Python or Ruby or PHP. I mean, it's but there's still like another order of magnitude, or, or maybe. You know, maybe you won't always get or maybe you get 5x or something that through Rust. And I was thinking about this. So, like, um, a lot of our heavy processing is stuff that Justin's code, um, which is more the task processing code, the model that runs. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, I mean, that is still many tens of thousands of, of lines of very sophisticated quantitative code. So it's not trivial. It's not. It's not like stick stuff in a database and take it out and run a few loops it's very complex um graph searching and calculations and things like that um but i was thinking you could use potentially use something like gpt to convert that code to rust Hmm. right so like you say okay okay let's say we run a calculation and go okay well i have to spend um a thousand dollars a month on um on 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 servers just to run that, to make that so that the task processing is fast enough so that it doesn't, there's no lag for the user, right? Um, and if I say, well, if I could get that down to $100 a month, you know, so that, you know, I could save something like, you know, ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000 a year, right? Hmm. And that, that kind of on the loan, right? Because if you get bigger, that 10x that or 20x that, right? It starts to become real money. Um, now, I wouldn't want to say, you know, okay, Justin, why don't you spend the next two months converting Node to Rust, even though you don't know Rust. But what you could do is if you had some code like GPT that says it could reliably convert it to Rust. And then all you had to do is have maybe somebody who is uh, a, a Rust expert come in and then just kind of, you know, look over it, make some tweaks or whatever. And as long, and as, long as you have all the tests are converted to Rust and all the tests passed, you tests. Know, you know, I mean that sounds <laughs> that sounds a lot like letting a car drive me. Like I would be, I would be quite terrified of what you just described because there's so many hands off situations of you getting this really well really well thought out stuff that Justin has written to this other version in Rust 
where GPT was writing the test, I was like, oh my god, like that. No, 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 no. no. You, GPT could really fuck you over. Like, no, we have. I mean, I, <laughs> no, listen, listen, I don't think we're there yet. No, 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 listen, listen. So, what I'm saying is, we have already have here are these hundreds of tests written, okay. right? So, you convert yeah. the test, we know what the output needs to be, right? Okay, he should convert the test, though, not. Not no, because the they, they, they right. He's gonna sit down and rewrite hundreds of tests that are themselves many hundreds of lines long. No, that's stupid. But you just all you okay. have to do is compare the output, right? All right, compare the output. You have okay, over the enough, node. Yeah. You compare the output. You do a diff between the output of the um of the node JS code with the okay. rest code. Yeah, that's right. Good. Yeah. So um that would be your source of truth, and you know what you could do is is have gpt convert the code plus the te- all the tests to rust run it if everything compares up exactly then you're done right the truth I is just, just the results are done <laughs> i just had to for scorm um for like for for modern teacher i had to upgrade so we used scorm cloud to play um the 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 lessons that the courseware cert- certain aspects of it and they're basically deprecating their version one API to their version two. So I had just written uh, like a, a thing to do exactly that, to compare the output, you know, of different things. But of course, it's slightly different, their version two API. So it's mm. like, I got to, I got, I've got to like put in convert, like, so, and, and I'm talking about what their API returns, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually return the same thing anymore. So I'm just comparing the two things. So I'm, I'm having to write, switches to say okay well actually if if it says this then convert it to this you know <laughs> like right. a zero versus the word unknown or something like that well it's i think very... i think that could be a really a really powerful use case for these kinds of technologies that convert mm. between languages yeah right i mean that i think that that sounds like that would be because there's less mind reading of the developer like what do you really want you know like are you articulating this in the right way it's like no it's like here's the the code like this is exactly it convert it from java to ruby or ruby how would it like i can understand how that that works on a single file but what about a file that's like pulling in dependencies like does it understand the way that one system uses dependencies and pulls them in from the way that another system works with dependencies i don't know i don't know but I, i i but i just think uh you know it would be really interesting it'd be an interesting experiment to try and convert different libraries, different projects from, you know, Python to C++ or C++ to Rust or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. to see how good it is. You know, I mean, you get stuff that's, it'd be easier to convert things that are closer or, you know, convert or subsets of, say, okay, convert, um, no, you know, raw, you know, Node.js, JavaScript, you know, whatever to, to TypeScript or something. Like that would be, that would be probably pretty trivial. But converting C to Julia or to Lisp or something would be substantially more challenging because they do so things. How are you finding? They do things completely I, different ways. Yeah. Switching topics. Yeah. How are you finding uh, managing your tasks without list? It's I you know I really haven't had a lot of tasks to manage because I've been working on like one or two um, <laughs> okay um, sort of problems. Um, for the past week, it was just this like, do this. <laughs> oh, weeks I haven't really. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's for me. I mean, it's it. it uh, I mean, list is cool, but you know, obviously, I can use. It text. helps you organize some stuff. I, I'm. I actually, mm-hmm. I'm still using it. I'm going to still keep using it. 
Um, I just find it super effective way to manage. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. We need to back up here because we need to talk about this. This stuff was discussed on Discord. It was not discussed in the podcast. What is that? What 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 stuff? The um, your your what you're gonna what your project is what you're working on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We I never thought, we never that. talked about. Well, okay. In the last podcast, I thought it was a given from the last podcast. It was like, well, okay, this is obviously the direction. No, things are going. you were like, well, Jason, <laughs> I'm gonna that you make a point that you know I that's interesting. I'll take that into consideration. But it was, but then you were still kind of waffling on it, and then you kind of were going back and forth, which for good reason, you know, like I, you know, what what should I do? And then there was, I think, um, V Raptor and Boyder and. I and maybe a couple other people were all like saying, all right, let me get this straight, Justin. So you're making how much money with PlayStrong and <laughs> how big is this market? And you're making, you know, wait, what, what, you know, what are you doing? So, I mean, just to, just to recap, <clears throat> it, you know, if my assumption is the working assumptions of what you want, which is where we need to start, what is it that Justin wants? And I think what you want is you to want to have a financially very successful project right that doesn't just make five thousand dollars a month but makes you know enough so you don't have to work anymore makes bank baby yeah i mean you know and and i know the other thing you would like is you 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 want the status that comes along with it well, I don't know about that, but yeah, I mean, hell, what are you talking about? No, Just, I mean, I know, I anybody definitely else, do. So, yeah, you, yeah. So, what I'm saying you is, would no, love, def- you would love to be the keynote speaker. It's I just don't think that comes from PlayStrong. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you would love that. Yeah. But if I said, what is it? Justin really wants your ideal situation, ideal reasonable situation, right? <laughs> is that you work on a project, it starts making hundreds of thousands, and then millions of dollars a year, then tens of millions of dollars a year. So you're very financially mm-hmm. successful. Money is no longer an issue. You are post money. Oh, sounds so good. And you know, you're you're asked to speak at conferences. You go around and tell people about how you did it. This is how you can do it. I'm I'm so smart. I didn't bumble. I really, I really did it purposefully. It was there was no bumbling. Yeah. You would love that would be your that would be what you want. Okay. So assuming (laughs) assuming that's your that's your that's your goal, and that's what I'm operating under. That's what you really want. Um is uh play strong is 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 way 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 further down the road compared to list yeah you know and um you know you're made you know it sounds like you guys have, are making pretty good money i can't remember what the numbers were but you're making how much a month or what's your arr it's, well we made a hundred thousand last year okay so a hundred thousand arr okay so um i mean that's great i mean that is great i mean most solopreneurs techies who have side projects would kill to be in that position you're like dude you're almost there you're literally on the 10 yard line like what are you talking about like that's almost i mean that replaces a lot of people's salaries depending on where they live that won't replace your salary but you are in spitting distance from that you know that's just a matter of triple this and then you're like done right and then it'll just grow from there so even if you just work really hard to triple it to 300 grand a year so that well, uh, you know that's my thought. So um, and it's a little bit there is a little aspect of like leading the witness for even from the last show. Like the point I think the point why I kind of pushed to bring this up even in the first place why I even mentioned it if you go back and look at the <laughs> at the launch of list mm-hmm. uh within the play strong within the play strong channel I'm like I launch list like 
it went on J- J- on Rob Walling's podcast. Twenty five thousand people listened to it. There was like three sign ups. I made zero money, and in the meantime, in my inbox, like Bing four nine nine, Bing four nine nine from PlayStrong. It's like, oh yes, that is just happening, and I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so it was yeah. that was the thing that really sort of put it seeded it in my mind in the first place. You know, it's yeah. just the launch, the launch of List. <laughs> well, the the thing about List is is um there are a lot of alternatives. Yeah. Right? There are a lot of things that people can use. There are a lot of people no may not, may not be things that you like that much or care, but a lot of there are a lot of options. Um just by the demand of play strong, just it doesn't sound like there are a lot of options. You know, it's not like there are there might be a couple, but it's like, you know, you're you're a you're a very you're of a limited um selection. So um I don't know. I mean the downside of it is it's not something you're super passionate about. Like, oh, I just, God, I love this play strong stuff. Can't talk about that. Like, you don't really I mean, care about it. I mean, you... you I'm... Pa- I, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I don't care about it, but it's just, it's it's George's... It, it ultimately is George's thing, and it, it it's me sort of acting in service of my wife, in a sense, you know, To but it is also in service of our whole marriage, I guess. Um, but it's it's just... It, it it's you know what i mean it, it, there's no, there's no shiny object there in fact to the, to the point where i've i've really realized you know what if if i'm going to do this if i'm really going to get into play strong which i think makes the most sense because uh, again in the discord what which we, which we haven't discussed here is honestly the market is very big for play strong and we've only actually sold to 600 customers in total and we've made $370,000 and there there is a much much larger market than 600 people like yeah. every teacher is a potential customer you know yeah you said um, that i think i think that's um that's a potential so customer people. but i think that's overstating it i mean i don't i don't it's not that big um i think the, i oh, think I you're mean, i mean there's a potential market but it's not a realistic market right like well i mean that's the same with every product it's like i mean the, like that that's what you say about market size isn't it you know you never say you never expect to saturate 100% of the market. You just talk about the market size. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. I, I I mean in terms of millions of potential users, that seems I'm I'm a skeptic of that. But there's certainly tens of thousands and maybe maybe 100,000, which mean, is six, still I look, I'm not worried about 100,000 uh, brings like 600 brings in 370,000, well, so that, that's what I'm saying. 10,000 customers would be pretty cool. Well, that's what my point is. My point <laughs> is I don't think you want to look at things, these top-down market sizing things for mm. these smaller projects. I mean, sure, if you're an investor putting in $50 million as a venture capitalist, you, you want to like get some sense if there's a market there. Or even, even if the problem is, is that these, these products evolve, the, the market evolves, and so people are usually wrong when they market size anyway. I think it's more like um, bottom-up. It's like, well, how many people do we have and how many people can we target and, and things like that. The fact that you guys are already, with little marketing, and have not been having not been around that long, have already done this well. It would it would stand to reason that you could triple this or five x this with not an extraordinary amount of work. You know, I'm not saying that you're just going to like sleepwalk into it, but if you just said, "All right, look, Georgie, let's sit down, let's come up with a plan, let's 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 really think about how we want to market, let's just start doing all the things that we need to do, let's set a goal, let's see if we can, you know, whatever." Grow by twenty percent a month or ten percent a month or whatever. Well, she's you got do it. you could do it. I think you could probably. Well, do so it. she's got other courses, and this is where I was just going there. And this is the big the big piece that I think that I'm going to do with PlayStrong differently than I've done with other projects. 
I am going to, I'm not going to build, I'm going to buy. And I'm going to use off-the-shelf tools and I'm going to just work on the marketing side of things. Mm -hmm. So I think the way that I'm leaning at the moment after some research is WordPress and then a WordPress LMS and then a WordPress site and then just build um, different content pocket buckets for the different potential uh, customer types. So mm -hmm. I told you that a teacher could be a potential customer type. Um, uh, a psychiatrist could be a potential customer type. A psychologist could be a potential customer site. New, new graduates could be different uh, potential customers. Mm -hmm. And so each one of those, I think, you can build helpful content, what, what I think of as helpful content online, almost buyer's guides. Mm -hmm. So like when someone's starting out to become a therapist and they're interested in becoming a child therapist, there's lots of different modalities and things you can use. You can use CBT, you know, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. There's other different things. And then play therapy is just one thing. And then George's version of play therapy, play strong is one of those. So you could help people right from the beginning. You could have content around, you know, are you thinking of working with kids? Mm. And so you could hire, um, we, we know people who would be able to write articles like, okay, just from, from that level. So you could just gradually move people down a funnel towards play strong, but be generous with the content as well. And I think what, so what that means is that the main thing about it is, is just making, having a CMS, making it so that multiple people can do writing on it. Uh, making it so that you can um, do lots of different content marketing, but also create different versions of the course as well, mm -hmm. targeted towards. Because, for example, people w directly within George's industries, industry, they need specifically certificates and post-tests. But parents, for example, don't need that. You know, mm -hmm. They just need to be able to watch the material, and George needs to record a different set of material for parents. Right. So it, that's really what what I think the key is going to be is to is to find and use tools that enable me to just build this little. So basically, so we want you to focus on the marketing as opposed to just getting lost and building cool stuff just for the sake of building cool stuff. Exactly, and I and I've, I've I really feel with this project I'm done. I like I I don't need to build cool stuff. In fact, it's just going to get in the way of the marketing. Um. And if I need, if I do need to build cool stuff, I can just add the search function to list, you know, mm -hmm. on a weekend or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, oh, you mean if you yeah. just have an itch to write some code? If I have an itch to do some cool tech, I just I can just keep on building on top of what I've done on list. Mm -hmm. I don't need to. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do this other stuff again. In fact, I'd, I'd rather not. I'd rather just be able to get courses out quickly, get pages up quickly, you know, yeah. just to make it work better like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. Um, what does Georgie think know, Rob, about? What does Georgie think about it? She like she 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 likes it, and she she agrees and understands that we 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 kind of had the thought before, but it just didn't quite work out because I was a little too horsey about making her write blog posts, and like I when I when the last time we we got into this and then we stopped, which was just before list. I was very ag aggressive and horsey about her doing the marketing you gotta stuff. do this you gotta do that and she's just like Back this up. time i rethought it and 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 thought you know what we can just keep her doing what she likes to do and i'll do that i'll do it i'll do the marketing stuff i'll hire interns i'll i'll do all that stuff she doesn't have to write a blog post she could just be the creative genius who comes up with the who, do, who, who does the the content the videos that she likes doing, she doesn't have to change anything. <laughs> yeah. I'll just do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so as you know, you've yeah. you've 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 hired ghostwriters before, right? So you right, can exactly. you can have her kind of you can work with her to help create an outline of an article and some major points and and maybe just 
record a conversation with her and then send it to a writer and say, okay, write a blog post about this, you know, right. and then she'd have, but you know, that's, that's one thing I think is very true about life is that you can't force people to do things or expect uh, that they don't really, they're not really interested in doing and expect them to do a good job on it or keep or maintain it. Right. And, you know, I, um, Alex, who's my director of content, you know, he he manages a team, I don't know, whatever, 15, 18 people. I, I don't remember how people we have at this point. But, um, you know, at different times, he'd hire people and he'd be trying to make them sort of a manager or sort of a, a be able to write or edit. And I was like, just, I was like, Alex, like, she's just doesn't have it in her, right? She's, you know, because like he, he'd be trying to, he'd be trying to coach somebody who was a good mathematically to be yeah. good with managing people. But this particular person, I'm just one instance, was not strong at that, right? Was not good at managing people, was not, didn't, was impatient with anybody who made a mistake, was not support, you know, whatever. And, and then you have people who are like, you know, you know, you're trying to, they're really good at writing questions, but they're not able to like write a good, um, a tutorial, like kind of good at explaining stuff from scratch. And he'd be like, he was sort of a little more, I don't know, optimistic about what people's capabilities were. And I was like, Alex, it's just not like, don't, don't try and make something into something, not find what people are good at, naturally good at and want to do and have them do more of that. Yes. And then get other people to do other things. I just, just another example. Like I, you know, obviously I ran that, you know, soccer team for years. Right. And I was trying to create one of the best, I'm going to create the, I'm going to create the best, non-professional team in the country that was my goal right and one of my buddies on the team who we start you know he was my you know i kind of started it with him and even though it was my team and and he wanted to play right halfback right midfield right but he was a really good halfback at a certain level but at the level we were shooting he wasn't good enough and but he was a really good right defender really good He's mm. he's tall, strong, fast, smart, aggressive, but he didn't have the quite the technical skill of a really effective midfielder. He saw himself as a midfielder. And I'm like, Mark, <laughs> here's the deal. You can either sit on the bench <laughs> as a midfielder or you can start as a halfback. I mean as a as a defender. And so he begrudgingly, all right, you know, fine. And he was very successful. He was, he started for the rest of the 10 years, right? And was able to level up his game because he was a natural. His, you look at him and you go, that guy, he's six foot one, he's fast, aggressive. Like, that's a right, that's a right back, right? That's the guy who's going to shut down a, a striker, right? And, um, and, but you just, and, and I used to have to do that with people. I, you know, people, I know you think you're A, but you're actually B. Trust me. You want to be A, but you're not A, or you're not going to be a very good A. Let me help you be successful. I, I'm watching you, you know, and I can, and I'm, you know, and especially soccer was something I knew a lot about. And I had, you know, obviously years I became more and more experienced at it. But, but that's an important thing is identifying what people are really good at and just let them do those things instead of trying to put them in a situation where they have to do all this stuff. Right. And so, uh, and so, for me, it was like a, a rookie CEO mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, I okay, I'm going to be the CEO of Playstrong, and I want you know the 
the thing that I know that's that we need to do next is to write blog posts, you know, and to get so I need to force Georgie to do that. <laughs> and that was like the that was the that was the that was the mistake. Like I was trying to force her into the world that I knew was the the playbook, but that that was just a mistake. So this time around I think it can be different. That's yeah. Yeah, it can just yeah. Be you look because I find other ways to get that content. You leverage her strengths, and you just and like, how yeah. do we amplify your strengths? We amplify, you know, find what you already want to do. Maybe more videos. Maybe we have like stuff on YouTube. Maybe you have these teasers, and you're making more and more videos. If she really enjoys doing that, like create that kind of content, you know, and right. whatever. I'm sure there's a million things like that, but hundred percent. I mean, that's that's what's so great about the world we live in now with all of these um, sort of contractor services and you know fiverr and upwork and you know you can just hire people to do stuff that you're not good at or don't want to do right yeah and um complement and supplement so 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 just to um i don't know if we need a just a, a recap but like that's that's basically what i'm going to do for this year is to focus on uh, marketing play strong and helping georgie put more courses out there and and create more of a, an SEO flytrap, and that's really going to be my main work for the year. Which is kind of sounds boring, like boring work. No, but it is the it is the important work. Like with any project, like let's say for example, I got list to the point where I could bring new users on, and it had a good onboarding. Then I just end back get have to go to that space and just market it and do SEO and all that type of stuff. So it, it's like you're saying, like the the, the PlayStrong project is ready for that. It's proven. It's proven. Yeah, I mean, you, you if you weren't doing it's that... ready for growth. If you didn't want to do that, and you said, well, I'm just going to do lists, I say, well, then don't complain about money to me, because I don't want to hear it, because you're being dumb. I mean, I, I mean, don't... I, I know, but if you were, if you were like, <laughs> I just want to make some money, I, if you ever complained about it, I'd be like, dude, you, you, just, you basically decided you didn't care about money, and it's just fine. You're like, I just want to work on this project because that's what I want to work on. That's fine, but don't complain about how you haven't reached some financial success or you just wish you didn't have to work. I'm trying to think wish- about times I've complained. Yeah, you, you, about do. My- you I- do. I can imagine the, the you the just complain, com- dude. You just complain like Lazarus. I just wish I could be like a house husband, didn't have to work, and you know, I wish- <laughs> you just <laughs> no, said it. You say it all the time in different ways. You don't complain <laughs> about I wish I had ten thousand dollars here. You're you're complaining about I wish I could just have enough money that we didn't have to do. I this. do believe that I've come to you a couple of times. A couple of times when i like had no money and I, like i needed a job and i'm like dude can you help me find a contract no i'm not talking about that i'm more talking about how you're like aspirate kind of aspiration god i just wish i just wish i didn't have i just had enough money that i could just work on whatever i wanted or i just you know that's just, probably true yeah, that's what i'm talking about it. i was yeah, like yeah. play strong can get you there so what I'm saying is right. if you ever say that, if you decided not to do play strong and then you compl- and you may say it to me, I was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It, it doesn't make I sense. I mean, Boyder said it on the thing. He's like, dude, just do this for a year and then you're done. You can work on whatever stupid thing you want to work on, you know, regardless of where it makes money. I mean, he didn't say stupid, but he just work on it. You can do whatever you want. Now, I'm not quite as optimistic that he's like, well, just work on it for like nine months or six months. I don't think I'm that's like, it's time. more yeah. like a few years of hard work yeah. to really get, because- you 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 may be able to get to a hundred thousand and get it up to two hundred thousand, but when can you get the point where you're like you're like you know what it's stupid for me to have a job at this point? And not only not only is it not only are we up to this level, but it's consistent. We know it's not about to fall off, and it's growing. We really know what we're doing, and you know to a point where you'd be comfortable enough that you could just do that. I mean, it's a very it is it has a lot of potential. 
Like it could be a very big business and it's something that you could, that, that we could really uh, create. So for example, as George, George, the course that's on there now, just, just talking about the course, which is for pro- professionals, that could just be a level one. So it could be play strong professional level one. Georgie explained that it could literally go up to three levels. So you could, you could multiply that by three. So it, it could be, you know, uh, there could be a lot of uh, different uh, stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. you know how you get a, a, a core ingredient and like, you know, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example of a company like a, that, that uses one ingredient and they've turned it into a different thing. Arm and Hammer, you know, baking soda, right? They do all sorts of different products with that one core ingredient. You know, you can get like cleaner, you can get mm-hmm. uh, cooking stuff, you can get this, you can get that. Yep. So it's like the core ingredient of Play Strong can be repurposed into many different courses, many different target markets. Yeah, well... That's the point, yeah. I, I, you know, absolutely. But, w- you know, one thing I would... Um... I would say about that is you 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 would hear I I would I can remember some of these SEO experts and growth growth experts and they would say you know one of the problems I see with startups and these these growth teams is they find something that works and then they immediately leave it and go try and find other stuff that works. He's like, don't do that. Like you found some works now, just make it work more. It, it you're a long way from saturation. Just lean into yeah. that. And I I my favorite um, way of thinking about this though is sort of the um, exploitation exploration so it's like 80 percent exploit 20 percent explore it doesn't mean just do one thing to the exclusion of anything mm. else because you're not learning but it's like you're leaving a ton of money on the table so if it's like well you know just to just to pick something I, even though i know nothing about this business but it's like okay we're going to focus on professionals because those are the ones you're paying like why do we go to sell to teachers has any teachers bought it no so don't focus on that. That is completely unproven. That's just something you made up in your mind that they maybe they pay for. It. But who the people will pay for it? A professional therapist or, or whatever, right? So double down, triple down on that, and figure out. Okay, we have maybe have multiple courses and multiple layers, and like let's build, like stay focused on the area. Now, doesn't mean you can't do some experiments around the around the periphery, and like let's just see if there's something here because we don't want to make you don't want to miss another opportunity, but don't. Don't like be, um, don't lose focus on how you're making money. And, you know, just for using a math academy example, like, um, uh, so we have our lowest course is a fifth grade course. And then it goes to pre algebra. Pre algebra is kind of bridges between like sort of fifth grade arithmetic up through algebra. Yeah. I'm listening to you. You're, you're backgrounding me. I can tell you're doing other stuff. No, I'm not backgrounding you. I'm taking notes <laughs> on what you said. You are oh, so annoying when you say that. I'm just taking notes. <laughs> You're like talking to someone in the background. You're like playing some kind of Candy Crush. <laughs> okay, no. look here's here's the deal. So we have fifth grade is our is our is is our uh, I think uh, fifth grade and is our biggest course, and then pre-algebra, right? And then it it kind of falls off in the in the higher course. So when you get to calculus, you know you got some people doing it, but it's the vast majority of it is like fifth grade and pre-algebra. Right. And we're trying to finish up our math for machine learning course. And then we have these more advanced university courses like multivariate calculus and differential equations that are like 70, 80 percent done. That we just need to finish up. But I said, you know what? And so I so so Justin, what would you say that we should if I said, mo, you know, if I said, you know, 60, 70 percent of our revenue or whatever, I don't know what the number. Is. Let's say it's coming through, you know, the younger courses, fifth grade and proud. What would you say to? Uh. Focus on the seventy wherever the seventy percent of the revenue. Create a fourth from. grade course. 
Right. <laughs> right. Just to the left of the fifth grades, right? If there's a ton of people fifth grade, like, would you go like, do you think there might be some fourth graders? Right. I mean, I had, I've had a number of parents who are like, Jason, you know, my daughter's loving the fifth, you know, the pre-algebra, her, her younger brother, but she's like in third or fourth grade. Do you think they could do that? Like they're right there, but they're not quite ready for the fifth grade course. And so just get them in earlier. Yeah. And so I was like, so I, I, t- Alex, I was like, look, you know, I, I'm more excited about the math for machine learning, trust me, and all the university stuff. But right now, our target market where the most of money is going to be made is through the younger, is the younger ages. So let's get a fourth grade course out, right? It's not super, fourth grade math course is not super exciting, but you know, that's, you know. Is that the lowest you'd go? Fourth grade? Uh, we, might, go we might go to third, third or something, but you know, and the reason is, I mean, I remember um, I, I I sort of heard this first from uh, Doug, who I did the code, MV um, Code Club. I invested. He, he ran MV Code Club, and he's like, "Yeah, I asked him about high school, you know, coding courses for high school students." He's like, "You know, the thing is that when you get to high school, the the, the kids are the ones making the the, par- the the parents are no longer in control of what's of the kids are doing, right? If if students says, "Oh, I want to do X," they'll say, "Like, I'll pay for it or whatever." But when when students are younger and they're like nine eight nine ten eleven twelve and maybe up to 13 14 parents are like hey i signed you up for this or why don't you do this right they're the parents are making the this a lot of the decisions even if the 11 year old doesn't want to do something say look you're you're doing this you're taking piano lessons or you're doing whatever like they they you know they're they're making the student do it or they're heavily involved in encouraging and overseeing it but once a kid gets to like I don't know, 14, 15, 16. Kids like, I'm in high school. I got AP classes. I got, you know, this activity. I don't have time for this other stuff. Like that, so that's not a really good time. Now, you can have kids who are that, but they're more like kids who are, they're less common or they're kids who are, have been on the system or doing the thing since they were younger and want to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. But high school kids don't have a lot of time in their schedule, mostly. Upper, class, upper middle class kids or middle class kids in the United States are overbooked. They got, yeah. They had all the homework. They got all the activities and classes and extracurriculars and friends. They just they don't they don't they're not looking for more stuff to do. So, um, so that's what I was saying. It's like you know that's it's really the sweet spot is you know the it's sort of like, you know it may not be exciting for math for as math people to be creating courses in pre-algebra in fifth grade. You're like this stuff is pretty basic, right? But, um. If you want to have your Formula One team, your math for machine learning, your advanced stuff, which is cool, like that's the cool stuff, you got to sell lots of minivans and stuff, the, the things everybody does, everybody's buying, right? Yeah. The, the, everybody's buying the SUV crossovers. I know you want to work on that billion-dollar Formula One car, but if you want that, you better focus on creating a really, really um, uh, good uh, uh I mean, it, it already is... Um... It's so it's it's more of a split market than uh, Math Academy from the get go because so the, originally it was specifically created for people to learn to become accredited play therapists mm-hmm. uh, with the with the with the play therapy association and you can earn CEUs for that but as it turned out when it goes on you know when, when once it was on sale that only accounts for fifty percent of the sales mm-hmm. um, and. In fact, a gradually shrinking version of the sales because more there's just more people who are generally professional working with kids, um, and I I do believe a couple of teachers, but uh, things like social workers, psychologists, uh, 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 
psychiatrists, but just globally. So the the thing about the uh, APT is it's just American, you know, it's it's American only, and even licensing is in different states and different situations like that. So it's like at least fifty percent, if not more, of people just want the knowledge, just for the sake of having the knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To understand how to become child whisperers through play, mm-hmm. which is really what it teaches you. Yeah. Um, with a with a lot of theory. So there's that's why I'm saying there's there needs to be multiple content buckets because. I don't know exactly how those psychiatrists are finding the, the site today and deciding what you know what is good. But do you I, ask when, I did, when, like when I sign up, I ask people, "How did you hear about us?" Oh, we don't, and 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 so I need to reach out. And this is all part of the work: is like reaching out to these people and saying, "Wow, you are a social worker. How did you hear about this? Why, why don't you, know, you have it?" And when they when they buy, like that's part of the sign up process. So that's a great. That's a great point. Why don't I? Yeah. Why don't I just build that? Yeah, that's, I need to build that. Justin, that's dumb. <laughs> that is dumb. <laughs> Why don't I have that? Why? You know, here's here two things that I ask. So here's a couple of things that we ask. One is I I keep the questions to a minimum because the more questions you ask, the more people are like, ah, screw it. Although people who are going to spend fifty dollars a month for Math Academy are pretty motivated, right? It's not the signing up for a five dollar a month thing. So, um, uh, the first thing I ask them is, how did you hear about us? You know, after they start signing up kind of mid-level, how'd you hear everything to have a drop-down list, right? And then when they sign up each student, I said, what's the primary reason for signing the student up, right? And so it's like, is it for homeschool? Is it, you know, because they're current, they're not being, they need to move at a faster pace, they need an alternative, like whatever, get us some sense of why they're signing these people up. So it's kind of like, what's your, re- what, how'd you hear about us? Why are you using them? What's your goal? And then, of course, you know what they're yeah. signing up. And then, of course, we know through Stripe and other stuff, we know where they are, you know, basically what city they're in, and we know what level they're in. I don't ask anything like what's your age or gender or, or race or anything. That's stuff. the only reason why I know that it's that it's so varied, the the people who sign up, because um, I can go in through Stripe, find their email addresses, and a lot of people use their their company uh, website as their email address. And I just go and look at their website and like, oh my God, you, well, you know, you do this. Right, right. You see what they do. Right, right, right. Yeah. See what they do. See what they, you know, and it's, it's just like, cause I honestly thought, okay, it's all going to be play therapists. <laughs> but then when I look through it, it's like, wow, that they are so not a play therapist, like all sorts of different fields, all sorts of different stuff. Like for example, people working for nonprofits in Uganda, you know? Like just people like it's it, the world is so much more varied and complex than we as humans understand it. It's like you just figure that you're kind of an idiot when you're thinking about this. It's like okay, I'm ready to learn. Like tell let the world tell me what's really happening because I have this right. simplistic model of things. And especially, I mean, you thinking about play therapy. What the hell do you know about play therapy? You know, you're not a play therapist. You don't know anything about this world other than just secondhand through what, you know, Georgie might talk to you about. So it's not, it's no surprise that you don't know. In fact, it's not a surprise that she doesn't know because she just knows her own experience and what she's been doing and what trying to do. There's, like you said, there's a lot more people who, who, who need it and use it or are interested in it. Well, there's, there's one thing that you can say for sure. Like the, the root is it's really difficult to work with kids. And it's really difficult to get kids to to have outcomes, especially kids who are in trouble. Like because a lot of these people who who are doing the course are working with kids who aren't in a good place. And so the stuff that G- Georgie teaches is just perfect for people like that to just help with these big problems of why it's so hard to work with kids. You know, mm-hmm. kids with ADHD, you know, kids with right. different problems, kids who've come from broken families, you know, all this stuff. Right. Well, um, you know what's interesting? I was so 
I was reading this. Um, one of my favorite newsletters is uh, it's, I think it's called Lenny's Newsletter. It's one of these Substacks, and you know, it's like it's actually expensive, like fifteen dollars a month. So it's one of the, it's one of the few that I'll pay more than five dollars a month for. And he's like a, um, a growth product guy. Right. And so he, he writes lots of articles. He does lots of, he has a podcast. It's, it's, it's generally good stuff. I mean, there's some stuff that's more like careerist, careerism kind of stuff. Like I'm a product, I'm in, I'm working in product, how to become product manager, that kind of crap, which I don't care about. But he, he does a lot of stuff like how he really, really in-depth analysis of how all these, all these companies got their first thousand users or, or whatever. And the one that was most interesting was uh, an article titled titled something like um, um, "Viral Growth is a Myth," mostly, and he was referencing a couple several books and several papers that had come out where they had done a, real, a really deep analysis on how these how these companies grew and the idea was well they just were viral like people just telling other people and as it turned out that was not true that the people telling other people was limited often for like a month to three months and it was mostly went to linear growth after a while and what was happening in most cases it wasn't like a million people telling one person it was one person telling a million people mm. it was press influencers ads whatever and yeah you know if you can create ways to incentivize people um to share or invite or refer or if you make the product so great that people talk about it like that stuff helps the growth right it, it reduces churn and helps the growth but it is mostly and an accurate statement to say that viral growth is what caused all these companies to grow. It was you. Act, you really need to lean into um, explicit many-to-one marketing. Super spreaders. You, so, no. you sort of need people who people who really love it. No, no, because no. Oh, oh right, yeah. I mean, if you see if Mark Andreessen like, really loves it, but but I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. But I'm talking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. I'm really talking about getting press coverage. I'm talking about ads. I'm talking about influencers. Well, for example, you, you're, you're getting, that's what I mean by a super spreader in a sense. So you you have this one journalist from the WAPO who loves you, loves what you, you guys are doing. That's a good position to be in. Like if you can get more of those, that's very powerful. That helps. Yeah. So that certainly helps. So I think, um, and so. But why does he love you so much? That's that. That's the point. And so try and capture that, and then find more people and replicate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, what you do is people need to understand your story and what you're really doing, right? You need to basically need to reach out to journalists, right? You need to make and media, and then like find the people who cover this space, and say, hey, here's what we're doing, and here's an interesting angle on their story, and you know, most of them will ignore you, and then. Um, you know, eventually get someone says, oh, that is, you know, maybe we'll write about that, right? But it's just yeah. standard PR stuff. That's conventional PR. But that stuff yeah. works. So, what, but basically, what they're saying is that's really what happens. So, if you don't happen to have a connection to, I mean, if you can reach out to like people who have huge megaphones and are willing to, to, to talk about what you're doing, then great. Otherwise, we're going to journalists. But of course, Hacker News is one of the, one of the things that you can use to a degree, right? At, at some point, Hacker News. We'll have diminishing returns, but um, didn't didn't Paul Graham say something like, you know, PR I, PR is like some kind of magic. I, you know, you just I don't understand it. I don't know why it works, but you just pay a good PR agency ten thousand a month, and it helps you. 
Well, I don't I don't know if um I've heard a lot of people complain about PR agencies, but you know, if you find either you hire someone to do PR work or you try and do some of it yourself or whatever, but I, my belief is that you know, based on what I'm seeing for our growth, like we have we do have people when we ask like where'd you hear about it? Like people say, "Oh, friends and family," right? But that's a that's a fraction. Most people heard about us from either Washington Post or Hacker News or something like that. That's mm. where most people are hearing about us. What's the numbers, by the way? What's your what's your subscriber count? Oh, it's been pretty flat. I mean, we've gone up a little. Three fifteen last time. Yeah, we're a little above that, but it's been pretty flat through the holidays. We've picked some people up, okay. so that's why I'm like, okay, you know, this idea that we'll just make the product better and better, and people just tell other people as a growth strategy, is is naive. It's but that's what you really believe from the superhuman. I I believe in the product market fit in the sense that uh, of the following: if you don't have product market fit, and and the way they define it quantitatively, uh, the way that Rahul defines it quantitatively at um, uh, the Superhuman article was: if forty percent of your people or user people, forty percent of your users say they would be really disappointed. If they couldn't use your product, that's what you hit, that's the that's the inflection point. Forty percent or above. If you're below that, you probably don't have a good enough product. And what I think is true is that product market fit will help in terms of a few things: conversions. So when you go and and your marketing and your website says, "Hey, this is what the problem we're solving. This is how we solve it." If you're really solving the right problem, it looks like you're in, 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 you're solving it the right way. You're going to have a much higher conversion rate. I think it will also help in your uh, churn or retention, right? So if you're really solving the problem well, they're going to stick around and not going to cancel the, for, at the end of the first month. The third is that they will tell other people. So they tell instead of selling zero people, they might tell one person or you know over or two people over a period of uh, you know a couple of years or whatever it is. So um, what I don't believe. And I think, I think it's rare that you go out and you just build a product and everybody just starts telling everybody, especially a, a product that isn't free and that isn't like a, a social network kind of a thing. You know, like a TikTok or a Facebook or Instagram. I mean, those, those, those are a little different because they are social networks and they're free. But if you're selling a paid product, it's just not going to, I don't, I don't, especially if it's not, it's a non-trivial price. It's not just going to explode and everybody telling everybody to buy it. I think churn is <clears throat> churn is really important. I think new founders don't place enough importance on churn, but that's because you, it doesn't really mean anything to them yet. But at, the, the longer that you go on, I think the more, like because you know everything's it's it's exponential growth. Like you've got compounding, um, and I think churn does compounding in the opposite direction. <laughs> it stops you from compounding. It stops your compound growth. That's well, the, yeah, it's just a leaky, it's, so it's just a leaky bug, right? So, leaky bucket, I mean, yeah. Sam Altman said when he was writing, when he was back running Y Combinator, and he had this interview on Masters of Scale, and I remember Reed Hoffman was talking to him, and he said, you know, the biggest challenge I have with you know new founders at Y Combinator is convincing them that it's better to have you know, 100 people that love it than 10,000 people who like it or whatever. It's like just focus on iterating on a product until you can get 100 people to love it, and then. Then it's like start marketing. But I don't think, I what I don't think is true is like just because you get 100 people to love it, you're done and, everybody, and they're just going to start telling everybody and it's going to explode. Mm -hmm. I think right. really what that means is like, okay, 
assuming you're spending a fair amount of effort into marketing, whether that's, you know, paid or SEO or PR or whatever you're doing, that though the people who, who a lot of people are going to see it and be like, oh, this is interesting, and they're going to sign up, and they're not going to immediately bounce when they hit your website or churn within the first, you know, few days or few weeks or whatever. And so I think that's, I think that's it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think, you know, cause you know, I've been kind of thinking about this people, you know, I, I read, you know, how many hundred articles I read on like, what is product market fit? Right. And there's all these different, the product, you know, and, and Mark Andreessen's famous is market, market, product market fit is the feeling when people are pulling at their hands faster than you can support it. Right. I don't think that means that you don't do any marketing, that they're just pulling their hands and you just like you don't practically don't even have a website. Like that's bullshit. Like that's not what they're saying. I think what they're saying, what the truth is, assuming that you're doing a putting a fair effort into marketing and growth, you're getting a lot of people coming in. Right. You got to do the well, marketing. The, I mean, the perfect opposite is something like Clubhouse mm-hmm. talking about Mark Andrews and like that that app that was you know like audio social network you know like it was everywhere i, I don't know whether you oh yeah, oh, yeah. notice oh, yeah. okay. notice that do you remember it was everywhere but then but then essentially the product just meh it's just like meh like why do i need this and so that's exactly the point that, that i think you're making here is like you you do want to get it right as in su- superhuman um, so that it's not leaky and so that if you do get those explosions of marketing that it sticks and it grows because for example clubhouse had the explosion of marketing then just peters out well i mean their marketing was essentially influencers talking about it right everybody's talking about it but again clubhouse is that falls in that category of free right it's just free it's this kind of group social things everybody can try it out and then everybody can leave it's not really solving a problem and so for a paid product like math academy that's not the way you need to be thinking about it you need you need to say okay well we have to uh we have to put a concerted effort into getting the word out many to one but at the same time we need to keep making the product better and better so that people don't leave they're finding value out of it they're getting value so was there any math academy updates uh you know any interesting stuff um let's see um you know I'll, i'll just say that we're right now we're just in a phase where um I'm trying, I'm, I built, I'm, I'm rebuilding the UI for lessons and reviews, which is sort of the center of the app. Like what does a student do? They go through lessons and do reviews and do quizzes, right? That's what they're doing. And so I've reworked that. So it's a much slicker, um, experience, user experience with stuff scrolling in and a fixed header. And it's, it's just much cooler. Um, and, um, that, that has been a fair amount of work, a little more work than I thought it was going to be, um, unsurprisingly, but I'm almost done with that. And what I have to do, because I, I was talking with Sandy about it, we actually have to kind of come up with like a um, kind of a plan, uh, like what is our, our plan of attack. And I think, um, you know, we have a ton of blog posts that, you know, Justin and Alex and you're in, we, all, we spend a lot of time, you know, I've said, all right, look, I want you guys to come up with all your best ideas. And Justin and I have been talking about ideas for years. I mean, he's like a huge backlog over right about this and this and this is real. That's really cool stuff. And I said, okay, but the thing is, before we start writing blog posts, we need to do a show hacker news for Christ's sakes. 
right? Because we kind of we yeah. can't do a show Hacker News if you're hitting the front page of Hacker News a couple times. We're like, didn't I already exactly. see this? No. I mean, it's be weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think we should try and do a show Hacker News. But I said, I don't want to do that until we've got these few things in place. So there's a few features. Some, we, need a, we need a refresh of the website. The website is kind of a, I'm pretty much like a rough draft. We need another version, another good. The Webflow version. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do that. Say now we're talking about that. I don't know if we'll do it this version or after that we do Webflow. Um, but there's just a lot of information that, um, you know, Sandy's been sort of like queuing up. She's like, we need to write about this. We need about this. Because she's been doing so much customer support and she knows exactly what information is not being communicated um, effectively. So anyway, spend the next um, four to six weeks at most finishing up some of those features, finishing the website, then do a show Hacker News. And then we're going to start the the art the blog posts, you know, and I think okay. we're kind of we're kind of come up with a um uh I think what we're going to do is we're trying, like everybody's going to be writing one a week or maybe we're going to go like long short like there's some stuff that's kind of shorter, you know, maybe four or five paragraphs, but that has a really cool idea, a really cool hook. But then we have other stuff that would be much longer and more involved. But, you know, you don't want to overload people because if they're doing that, they're not doing other stuff. So, Will the show Hacker News uh, have the free diagnostic? That's something I'm thinking about doing before. That's what I was thinking about because I think that's a that's a big... You, re- you really want that for the show Hacker News because um, one, of the, one of the rules of the show HN is that there's something that people can play with right now. Mm, really? Yeah. And um, I think that so so you by doing the free diagnostic you'll double up you'll double up first of all you it's something that people can play with and second of all it's going to be like wow mm-hmm. and then third of all it's going to be like huh it, look it's got exactly what i need to move forward from where i'm at <laughs> right interesting <laughs> so, yeah so yeah. so the big i mean there's a few small bugs and a few things i need to add but the next the big project is when you take the diagnostic, we have a really in-depth knowledge profile and and, and sort of a, a report, almost like a PDF. We'll have it, you can see it online, but we also like a PDF that'll be sent to you. Imagine like this four, five, six, seven page, you know, with all the cool graphics yeah. and stuff and says, here is an MRI so, of of what you know and don't know. And here's an estimate. So cool. Yeah, I think people will be like, oh, yeah. this is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That's, 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 I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but to my mind, that's front page of HN for at least a day. Well, if we could just get there for half or part of a day, yeah. So that, but I think that's that's you know because one of the things you know, they always talk about, which is makes sense, is like you want to get new users to to hit to reach a point of value as soon as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And the first point of value for them would be after take a diagnosis like bam take a look at this they're like whoa that's like an mri of my math right all things i know and don't know and how long it'll take me to do this and if i do that and they can have just just like as if you had paid for one of those really expensive medical um you know body scans and they send you support and say right justin this is this is you this is you know and you're like oh crap and like hey if you want to if you lower this and up this then you'll you know you'd be like oh this is super cool that's the kind of thing you'd be like not only is it fascinating to see that but it also shows like they really know what they're talking about like why would i go to my regular doctor or something like these this this the, the information they have and the way they're um explaining it and the way they're showing it indicates to me that they have much higher resolution understanding of who I am and what my potential um, 
uh, areas that need to be improved and whatever risks are, and, you know, but the same thing with math, right. With a, with a, your, your uh, a knowledge profile thing. And, um, and that's also the kind of thing you make it really easy to share, right? They have a PDF. Someone just says, Ooh, check this out, man. Or I have an online link. I'm going to predict 250 subscribers from this show. Jeez, that would be awesome. So, yeah. So I, that, so what I'm hoping is, yeah, well, that would be great. So, but these are the kind of things, so we have to do a series of these kind of things over the next year or so, right? PR things, try and get on the wash, wash Street journal or, you know, or the New York times and get some article about us, try and try and get these, these things, you know, of course some hacker news love and, and other stuff. And then, but once you get like a certain number of, a certain size user base, then the linear growth of people telling other people is, 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 is good. Right. And then you double up on that with like really good SEO, which takes, you know, six to 18 months to really, to really uh, take yeah. off. But then by the time that happens, you've done enough of these sort of like one-off explosions that sparked it up that now you have, instead of having, you know, 300 users or something, we have 1500 users, 2000 users. And now it's like, we're growing, now you have this linear, consistent yeah. linear growth from word of mouth and SEO, not that in the ads, right? And then of course you're 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 since we spent fifty dollars a month per user, you know we have a lifetime value, of, you know whatever. Then we have some money to spend on ads. I don't know if you're interested in this, but um, something that you could also do, if you do grow a mailing list, if you have a list of mm -hmm. people, um, Black Friday could be a, a time where you could get quite a lot of people. Uh, I don't know if you're interested in doing discount. Not a big fan of discounts because I feel like you under you're sort of undermining the the brand, undermining the value. I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah. I'm I'm okay. not saying I'm not saying never, but I'm just hesitant about that. I still think we're underpriced. In fact, when we were talking to the um um the lady who does the credentialing, one thing she mm -hmm. said to me at the very because she was she was really impressed with what we've done and was like, yeah, this guy's great. I've talked to all because she talked. They interviewed like. She interviewed like half a dozen families, and she's like, "Yeah." She's like, "You know, you guys are really underpriced. You know that, right?" And we're like, "Yeah." She's like, "This is really cheap." You know, she didn't use the word cheap, but like, you guys are really underpriced. And we were like, "Well, you know, we're still kind of in beta, and we're probably going to raise the price, and we're just kind of want to make sure enough people get." So, you know. Someone could probably argue, yeah, yeah, you're the typical entrepreneur thing where you're underpricing yourself because you're afraid to, you know, and that is probably true. But it's also like, like $50 is enough for us for right now. Um, you know, does it go to 79 a month or something like that? You know, I don't know. Those are experiments we have to pay. But I think I just want I, I just would feel more comfortable having a more fleshed out product and user experience before we push it up much more. But, um, yeah, fair but, enough. But yeah, I, I, but then you, you know, then you can do those things where if you push the price up, then you can discount or whatever. But, I don't know, but um, that's that's kind of where we're at. Where it's 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 sort of um, like okay, we we got to a nice point. Now it's like we gotta we gotta you know we gotta kind of um, consolidate and make a another push up from the marketing side. I'm excited for that. That's gonna be good. That show HN. Show HN. Yeah, but I I, I think you're totally right <laughs> about the 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 um, you know, and, and that's the question too. Is not, not I mean not only about the um, the free diagnostic, but 
do we do the 30 day money deck or do we do a free kind of a more limited thing that the free would probably um, allow us to um, scale. But probably we probably have more people, but I'm I'm a little worried about what customer support issues that would raise in the short term. I, I think I'd have to batten down the hatches a little bit more before we'd play with that. You know, I mean you would have you would have a ton of people who just wouldn't upgrade and would just, you know, screw around and then, you know. I mean, the easiest thing to me is like rather than <laughs> I think that this is just my informed it's not uninformed, this is my informed opinion is get them to enter in the credit card with Stripe. You capture the credit card information, but you give them a free one month a free one month trial and then you automatically ping them for the money after 30 days. And um like 5 days before that you send them a mail saying I hope you're enjoying it just letting you know that um the money will be taken the next month and you click here if you want to if you don't want to continue. I mean, it's I not too it's not too different from what we're doing. I mean, we we charge it, then we just automatically if they cancel in thirty days, they automatically the money back. So it's almost no difference. It's it's almost no difference, but it is quite a psychological difference because it's because there's a there is a psychological difference between actually giving you the money and between uh, just sort of going in. Yeah, we free. can we and could experiment with that. We could experiment with that. Um, it'd be interesting to see if there's any material difference. But there's also a difference between just letting them in completely free without a credit card and then and then getting the credit card on the back end. Yeah, well, that's the, the problem with that is that you just have a lot of people burning up CP, you know, server time, and you they're do. not doing anything. You do. And you just have all these yeah. kind of zombie accounts that people created all stuff yeah. and they're not doing yeah. anything. Do. So, um, in, 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 and because that could be potentially overwhelm the system, then you have to build in throttles and things like that, which is more coding and stuff. But what you do have, and this is what this is sort of what I'm talking about. For example, with Nugget, I got 10,000 people in that database. It means that like one day you could do a D like a Black Friday thing, like have a reason to get people mm. in, do some kind of promotion on the on the lock. Right, right, right. <clears throat> so that's the deal. That's but, that's that's pretty much it. So what oh um it's good. TV show? It's good. TV shows? Uh, yeah, well, okay. Um, anything? You know, I've I've been slightly getting into, and this is just a general concept of foreign language shows, because with with Netflix, um, you any of the foreign language shows that they have, you can obviously just say, you know, play the English version, because they have every single language, you know, there, and you remove the subtitles, and you can just watch it. And it's a bit weird with people's lips not matching the the audio. But for example, um, a show that I was just watching. I just watched four seasons, which I discovered under my. This is the other thing in Netflix. I'm I've like bookmarked a couple of uh, genre, genre categories. Genre. Mine is uh, like. What genre, did you say, genre? Genre. Yo, real quick before you go on, I just say I was laughing with Sandy about that because I was hearing I heard somebody said some word that was like, dude, and I have this all the time. Like, it's like really highly educated people. You know, were saying someone said you know this reporter said analogous instead of analogous i was like what <laughs> and then so i heard funny. another yeah. one and i heard like on the on pod like david freeberg of course he's a super smart guy says integral instead of integral i'm like dude what are you talking about like it's weird well, and i mean it isn't like an english u.s it's like you're not pronouncing it correctly what was it someone did it last night so you're a good you're a good company because there are a lot of very smart people who have just read and written these words but have actually never said them out loud <laughs> so when they say it you're like wait what'd you say I mean, you do that with with the word literally. Literally, no, that's that's me. That's 
You say literally. That's just me talking literally. too quickly. Literally, that's okay. just me talking too fast. <laughs> um, anyway, this so this show, the the Protector, um, oh. is the, it's a Turkish mm-hmm. show. It's it's called the Protector. It's the first uh, Turkish show exclusively for Netflix, and it's it's funny because you can just tell that you know, like I don't know if you've ever been to Turkey, but it's like you know, like you know, like. Italy, like Italy, Turkey, like cut. You know, there's just like 50 cars in the road. Like there's a there's a roundabout, it's, and everyone's it's not coming exactly from different a directions. First world country. It's, it's not really first world. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just like mayhem, and so you can tell in a sense that that this is created and you know f- from a country that is kind of fun like that. Um, fun, okay. But so that's I, one way I'm, to describe it. I, <laughs> I, I've enjoyed. So I, I enjoyed that, and then also the um, extraordinary attorney Wu, which is from Japan. So that's two shows in a row that I've watched that um, have that are basically the extraordinary Wu. The extraordinary attorney Wu, and that's really good. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you'd like it, but I quite liked it, and it was just interesting to watch because it was about. It was about a, a woman who had full-on autism spectrum disorder, and was being an attorney. And was uh, it was just the the interaction? They thought quite carefully about the interactions between an an autistic person and the rest of society, and how how they just don't give a shit about anything they say, and they're just like they just they just don't they, they don't have the the basic social graces. Mm-hmm. Um, so because they don't, you know, fully connect with the way that other people feel. The sort yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that empathy side. Is it funny? It sounds so like anyway, it'd be funny. Uh, it was quite funny, but it was. I I just don't know if it would be your cup of tea. I'll give it it's a shot. Too, not, um, not, I'm going to give it a shot. Well, hey, you know what you're right about. It's too hallmarky. It's too hallmarky for you. Like, do you like anything on the Hallmark Channel? I don't know. I have not seen anything on the Hallmark Channel. I mean, I doubt you would. It's and it's that kind of thing. It's a bit. Cu- you know how a lot of Japanese stuff is kind of cutesy. You know, I've watched so little Japanese stuff. I wouldn't be able to say, but right. I know what you're I mean, talking about. I know, so, but I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I, it doesn't seem to me like a Jason like show, but you know, right. whereas whereas um, the recruit seems to me like you a Jason nailed show, it. You know, you know. I said Justin. I said he was a hundred percent right. He's like he, when he said I'd like this. I mean, I love the recruit. The recruit is probably my favorite show of the year. So for anyone who's wondering, it's on Netflix. It's about some of this twenty four year old guy at a law school who's kind of a a little bit of a devil may care kind of risk taker kind of guy. Um, and he joins the CIA and the CIA is a shit show, right? It's just like everybody's stabbing each other in the back and nobody, it's just crazy. And he's in this and he just gets put in all these impossible situations. It's really good. It's really funny. I loved it. So I was thinking, I kept laughing. I like, man, Justin nailed it. He was right. I do love this show. <laughs> I was like, what do you got for me? What else you got for me, Justin? Cause that was great. Watch the recruit, the sh- you people. Watch the recruit. It is good. It, it is good. good. I I was thinking. I was like the. I I can't. I'm not sure if there's anything I've seen on Netflix other than maybe Stranger Things. Um, that I've liked more. There's a couple of shows I maybe say okay, I liked it as well as, but uh, that this was really good. It's it's really funny. Really good. You see, we're we're sort of different in that way. Like <clears throat> Legends of Tomorrow is like one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm of all time but i just don't think you'd like it but it's just it's just super quirky i do quite like these shows that are just very quirky and just weird stuff is happening in them um whereas you like shows that are more yeah funny but i like dark but i watch a lot of dark i've watched a little little bit more based in 
real life, you know? I mean, I, I guess, no, I guess that's not right. I don't I, know how I, to describe it. It's hard to describe, but I do, I I get you. I understand your viewer's gaze. I understand the Jason Roberts viewer's gaze. Viewer's gaze? The Jason gaze? What does that mean exactly? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, so... Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, I mean, I keep telling people to go watch The Sinner, Goliath, and Bosch, and I don't think anyone takes me up on it for some reason, but those are really good. Um, well, because they start off so heavy. I like I like heavy shows sometimes. Um, I, yeah, I, I, um, Those are really good. Um, I haven't seen The House of the Dragon, but I've heard good things about it. Have you watched that yet? No. Okay. Did you like Lost? I did. I liked it better than most people. I mean, because of Sawyer, right? I love you. Like, like Lost so, because yeah, of Sawyer. I, I got I got some yeah. Sawyer in me. There's no question about it for sure. I definitely got some Sawyer in me. I think I like to think I got some Jack in me, but I definitely got some Sawyer in me for sure. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah. Did you like uh, Lost? I did. I did. I did quite like it. Yeah. The the the, the Ben character infuriated me. Was Ben the Asian you know? guy? No, Ben was the was the guy who was the. Was the evil guy who just always? Oh yeah, had, the antagonist. Always had something extra. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> He's gonna screw you over in just another new way every time. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I liked Lost. Um, a lot. You know, some people were disappointed by the ending. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't that disappointed. I, I still liked it. Um, just like a lot of people were mad about uh, Game of Thrones the ending, and I didn't mind it. I liked it. Um, the the one thing that Protector had. Was two endings. The Protector, yeah, the Protector, which is the which is the Turkish show that I'm telling you about. So, so the Protector is an interesting uh, sort of superhero. It's like a cross between a, like a superhero and a, I don't know a superhero and a Turkish view view of the world type of show. And um, it had an interesting thing that I haven't seen before, where they where they ended two times. Um, oh, two they, separate endings, they sort of wrap. Yeah, well, they 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 ended everything, and they kind of it was wrapped up in a in a neat little bow, except for one tiny piece, and then they had one final episode about that one tiny. I wanna, piece. I'm, I'm going to check this. The, uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to check out the protector. Um, yeah. So, so before I just want a couple couple more I want to bring up. Okay, that okay. was a t- next look show called Madoff. It's about the Bernie Madoff. Uh, oh, scandal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was funny. I was listening to all in show, all in podcast, and David Freeberg was like, "Don't watch it. It's so dark, and everybody loses." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" That was a great. That was a great uh, show. But the one thing, and of course, not there's definitely one person who made it out in the end, and that was the attorney who's was hired by the government, who's who went and um, went after everybody to get all the money back to crawl the money. He made they made like a billion dollars. So they definitely made out. Um, That's nice. But um, that Madoff was really good. But the thing it showed is that the SEC is completely and utterly incompetent. Unbelievable. But it just shows how much of the government is just completely incompetent, which is like that whole thing about like these these sprawling bureaucracies. And that's one of the things I worry about the United States, that we've become so big and so complicated, our government's become so complicated that it's just there's a lot of people just not doing much of anything. And that's just complete, it's just bureaucratic incompetence. That's the same with uh, Twitter. With, uh, Twitter. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like, <laughs> it's like we need to like do the that. Elon Musk. Everyone's like, well, Elon Musk evil. It's like actually, we got about eighty percent bloat across the board. Like you could move eighty percent of the people from, you know, all of these governmental entities and all these big businesses. And after 
three to six months of normalizing and better operations, they would probably be more efficient and get those people out in the world doing something productive as opposed to being part of some big bureaucratic bloat. And then everybody go, oh, bullshit job. It's like, yeah, you'd have a bullshit job. We need, we need to get rid of these jobs because if, if it's considered a bullshit job, you're really not doing anything. I mean, I remember, um, oh God, I can't remember the guy's name. He's one of these uh, really famous, uh, a Carl icon. I, wish, I actually was watching a... Um, uh, I think it was a net, also a Netflix um, documentary about him, and he was the kind of guy who would go and he'd, he'd buy out these buy these companies, go these leverage buyouts, and turn them around and sell them off in pieces and all that kind of stuff. It was very controversial. He's made tons of money, but he's now he's considered like he's like rather than a corporate raider, he's like an activist investor, right? Buys a big chunk of a company and tries to tell them how to make themselves. To, you tell the board, look, this is what we need to do to make this company more um, efficient and uh, more profitable. And there was this one company he bought. And he's telling this story, and actually, actually, I don't even know if this is part of a documentary. Or if this was, a, this might have been a. Uh, I saw an interview with him on YouTube, and I was on some, and he said, "Yeah, so there was this whole building of people, right?" And he couldn't figure out what they did. Uh, there was part of this big company. This is a big company, but there's this huge building in New York or something or Chicago, where it was, and how these people, and he would go in and they would explain. He's like, "Explain what you." And he's like, "I can't figure what you did. I cannot figure out what these people do here." And then um, he eventually, and they were supposedly supporting this operation that was out west somewhere, Colorado or California or somewhere. And so he eventually goes out and visits them, and he talks to the main guy out there, and he's like, "So what are those people back in?" You know what? Are, what do they do? And he's like, I have no idea what they do. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like killing off a microservice. Yeah. You know, twi- yeah. like Elon Musk, like killing off a microservice. And oh, Twitter's yeah, still and everybody's going. Oh, he's an idiot. He doesn't. I mean, if you're all the people called him an idiot, knows didn't know what he was doing, and all the people were oh, Mark, uh, Twitter is going to crash. They're all wrong, right? It was total. It is obviously not that important, you know. And so. And I'm not saying a microservices can't be useful and can't be appropriate or whatever, but it, it clearly did not make a difference, right? And there clearly was a lot of money being spent on the engineering for something like this. But anyway, so he goes on and he, and he, and he, and he, and he asks this guy, he's like, so what should, what should I do with them? He's like, I don't care what you do with them. We don't, I don't, all they do is cause me a headache. I don't even know what they do. I just have to send them all this information and all these reports and I don't even know what they do. And so then he went back and he basically gave everybody in the you know, that building, you know, some severance and, and shut the whole thing down. And he said, it was the only time in my life that I, I, I fired a lot of people and then it, nobody ever complained to her. I never heard from him again. Not a single person. <laughs> they were all happy to take their severance and leave. And that was it. Like everybody knew they weren't doing shit. <laughs> it was a bunch of make work. And, I mean, and I think that has gotten so bad. I mean, it is so bad that's so uh, that's like the office that's exactly like that i think the office is just like that oh. you know that they're they are a company that is exactly and like that's a that. tiny like, little company i mean imagine <laughs> when you have companies with tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of employees well, well no the the office they're a subsidiary they're a subsidiary of a paper company or whatever yeah, you it's, know? so they're just this smaller thing um but what's going to say is i think elon musk must be listening to this podcast because he he has stopped tweeting ridiculous silly stuff yeah he's now just tweeting stuff about tesla and uh spacex and he's just his his it looks good it looks yeah like, i mean i his biggest mistake <laughs> is just tweeting incendiary stuff it's like look if you're gonna try and run the town square just focus on being the traffic cop and just make stuff works don't like i mean you may have some strong like everybody you have strong opinions on a lot of stuff like just other people will fight that battle 
you just keep things as neutral and as open and as running and, and as running as smoothly as possible and get rid of the bloat and all that crap, but just don't, don't start fights. It, this whole Twitter thing reminds me of like when someone for a hobby plays the piano or plays guitar and they really love it. It's a hobby that they really love. They really love doing it. And then one day they go, you know what? I think I'm going to try and do this professionally. And then they like, okay, I'm really going to do it professionally. And so in his case, he buys Twitter instead of just acts on Twitter, which was so much fun. He buys it. And now all of a sudden he's like having to book tours and get a band together and organize the money and print the label. And all of a sudden that thing that used to be so much fun, he used to be on the toilet tweeting and making everyone laugh. Now it's just like a complete nightmare for him. And it's like sinking his company. Into everything. I think that's what's happened. He turned his hobby into his profession. What do you think he's, what company that's, do you think it's sinking? Well, I think that it was until, until he just recently started, but I think it was having an, a negative impact on everything, on the brand, the whole thing. On, on what? On, on the Tesla brand. On Tesla. On you the think Tesla so? brand. I, yeah. I don't think so. I think that's bullshit. I think that's what a bunch of people who, who are on the left want to think because they don't like him and they don't like it. And they want, they want him to suffer. I don't, I don't think that's really the case. I think. Well, they used to like him. No, it's been, it's been I a mean, while. It's been a while because ever, ever since the left decided that because Tesla wasn't u- unionized, that he was sort of a bad guy. And no, 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 there, there's, it's, it's definitely having an impact because there's, there's definitely like, I mean, you don't, me, you don't I'm know that. Musk, you don't know that. You don't. I'm a Musk super fan and I can't buy a Cybertruck anymore. Why? That's too dumb. Because it'd be like driving around in a really expensive MAGA hat. That is so stupid, Justin. I mean, that is just really stupid. Because he's not a MAGA guy, right? He's not a Trump sport. He's a Democrat, for Christ's sake. That's, that's the impression. Before, it would, ha- it would ha- have a cool impression. It would have been cool. But now, it's not cool anymore to have a Cybertruck. Now, you just look like you completely agree with all these things no, that you he don't. tweets. There's a Tesla. The, I don't think everybody agrees. You, you, would you, what kind of car do you drive? A just, oh well, it's an Audi. So do you agree with everything that the Audi uh, CEO thinks? No, but it's just I'm just telling you I'm not the only person who feels like this. At least at least two people on the Discord said the same thing. Yeah, like, yep, I think I it's totally, I think it's I, was, this, I think it's about as much impact as people moving no, move to Canada. You you just don't be- believe that way, but I do think that. Oh, you think? Oh, so you think it's? The I think same it's as bullshit. I think it's the same people working to buy a Tesla anyway can say that. But I think the people who really, I I think it's I think it's a a rounding error. I think it's a rounding error. I think I well, think I thing. think the market it, we we have been in a down market for a while. They're probably the early stages of recession. Inflation is going crazy. That's what affects everything is down in the in the market. But but one one point, just just to be clear, it wouldn't stop me buying a Tesla. It stops me buying a Cybertruck. Okay. Do you want? It, there's that's so, the difference. So, like, because one because is Tesla, the other one is Tesla. Is that exactly that? That like the the Cybertruck really like already it was a statement. It was a big statement mm-hmm. to you, you were already at risk of looking like an asshole driving a Cybertruck, right? So and I I was thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that because I'm going to be I'm going to be like the equivalent of the right wing guy driving the big monster truck, and that's fine because I'm the left wing guy driving my big monster truck, and they're the right wing guy driving their big monster truck. But now I can't do it because. It's like now. Wait a second. I'm a kind of weird, kind of like a right wing guy. <laughs> like, no, that's I can't. Yeah. Not, I, can't I don't. Do I don't. I don't. I don't think that really has <laughs> anything to do with it. I. Ha- I think it. There are much, much, um, uh, 
I love how you're denying my experience and emotions. I just here. think they're irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, because you're going to buy it anyway. <laughs> I love how you think my experience and emotions are. Well, irrelevant. I mean, in terms of the Tesla thing, like I'm going to extrapolate <laughs> how I feel with my Cybertruck, and that's what's causing the Tesla price to go down. It's like no, okay. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think that's just your no, own personal I thing. Um, I think it. I think it has to do with these um, these other economic factors. If in and and what's happening in the stock market? I mean, everything is down. Everything is been like mm, we're down like you, you know what thirty percent or whatever it's been this year twenty seven percent or I don't remember. So by that token, do you think that Tesla is going to go back up? So the seventy percent that it's lost, do you think it's going to go back to that place? Uh, eventually, yeah. Yeah, I mean it won't it won't okay. it won't go up there by you know next Thursday. I mean it's well no no. Let me rephrase that. Do you think do you think that Tesla is going to go because before Tesla had um. A kind of valuation much higher than, than any other company. Reality. Yeah. Than, I, you than know, I, 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 so I, I, do you think it's going to get back to that? On the scale of decades? Yeah. On the, sca- no, no, on the no, scale no, of like, no, what, no, what not, time phrase are you talking about? What time frame? I'm not saying, is it going to get back to the valuation? Are you talking about Sorry, multiple? I'm, I'm, Your level I'm, of multiple. I'm, being inex- I'm not explaining myself. Do you think that it will be it will get to the point of overvaluation against reality that it did have, or do you think that it's now going to be more like a regular stock and be valued against its actual earnings and all that kind of stuff? Um, I think that I don't know. I mean, that could have been the 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 that was sort of the peak of the low zero interest rate we were in, where yeah. all, all these tech companies and startups were 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 trading at like you know whatever fifty times earnings or whatever the hell or 50 you know just crazy multiples right everything now is brought down to like eight or ten or what more like actual um, historical norms right it's mm. i think you have to look at this stuff in terms of monetary policy and interest rates that's where the regime you're in so if we get back into a zero percent interest rate regime at last for six seven eight years then yeah it's, but I think you really have to look at the pricing of all these companies, all these stocks, relative to what the interest rates are. I think that's that you have to normal. I, you have to normalize by interest rates. Because I think the point that I'm coming to is that the overvaluation that Tesla had um, was because of the halo effect that Musk had, and I think the reason why we don't get back to that same level of overvaluation is because that halo has been lost. And I believe that the reason why the halo has been lost is because of the Twitter stuff. So I think, I think that, you're yes, reading, I think Twitter, you're reading yeah. too much left-wing news, dude. It's an echo chamber where everybody's believing their own bullshit. It's not, it, I, okay. I think, I don't think, I think there's a very, I think when you talk, there might be a lot of those people as an as absolute number. They'd fill, they'd fill a number of uh, football stadiums, but in terms of relative to the overall um, people in the world, who would potentially buy a car, they're relatively small. The number of people that okay. have a that that are very um, partisan and really like their political identity is their ideology is the overriding um, I, uh, a sort of um, way that they think about themselves. Those people are small. They're other make they're well, way 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 outsized on Twitter because what is Twitter? Twitter's a place where everybody's mouthing off and, and yelling at each other, both left and right. Nobody's dunking on each other. So if you're on Twitter and you think, well, everybody on Twitter thinks this, everybody in the media, all the people in the media are on Twitter, which is exactly what I told you before. Why people aren't going to leave Twitter? Did people been leaving Twitter for Mastodon, Justin? No, 
Just like well, I told you. a million yeah. did. <laughs> but not And then they much. were both places. And there were a few people hanging out, but it's not. <laughs> exactly what I told you is that they weren't going to leave because they because all everybody is on Twitter and that's where the that's where the party is. That's where everybody's dunking on each other. Those people are going to leave. But the 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 group of people that you think are suddenly like oh my god I hate Musk and you know he he in, insulted Fauci or something so now he's you know I don't like him and I'm not going to buy his car no that, I think that's small but but it's small I don't think that it is that as I said to you I was a Musk I am a Musk super fan um but it's ha- it's having an effect on me so i'm i'm talking yeah no about, you're extrapolating on your own feeling uh, that you think it's a i'm talking about the people who are like in betweens you know undecided nah, i don't think they care um i think it's having an effect on them but that's okay we can agree to differ but also i think i d- i do think i deserve a gold star for almost having an opinion <laughs> <laughs> you have opinions i never said you had opinions <laughs> i just said that they they are very they're very much subject to what the uh what the the local population your audience is thinking you're 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 you know you don't you, you don't you don't readily tell the audience to f off like i'm i don't care what you think right. i think you're wrong like, like I don't you really. are very happy to do, which is good. Well, that's you know, good. it's that's we, that, right. I mean, we're we're different <laughs> kind of people, but you know, it's um, uh, I would, we we have like ten half finished thoughts there, so I guess just leave them unfinished. But it was funny. I was talking my my um my daughter Izzy is very much like me, my middle daughter, and she's like, she does not give a rat's ass what anyone what anyone thinks you know like she does not care, which is really weird for a teenage girl right even the girl even like a teenage girl thinks she she cares what her group of people think if they're all like overall oh, goth or all punk we don't care what thinks like yeah you really care what all your friends think about you right you live for that that's very much she literally she really does not she doesn't i was, I was joking i said something about the other day i kind of tease her about it sometimes it's like wow you could do this then you know you get lots of likes and like she's like i don't care i don't care what anyone thinks <laughs> That's that's pretty cool because that will make her kind of like the center of gravity in her friend group because like everyone will be so impressed by that they'll be like she just doesn't give a crap no she really you know? doesn't and people she really doesn't people love well that. you know what's really funny so she she's remember how she did that animation stuff and she got tons of followers and and then yeah. she just like left it right I'm gonna just to see what it is I want I want just to see because I want to tell you a follow up on that let me just see if how many people are. CP Studios. Let me see if I can find her. Yeah, here we go. Sleepy Studios has 24,800 subscribers. Wow. And she just totally abandoned it. She just walked away because she doesn't care. <laughs> I love it. What are you doing? Send you to forgot you can send you to college that money. <laughs> anyway, and so she started and then she started writing and she wrote dozens and dozens of stories on Wattpad. And then she still does some writing, but more recently she started something on TikTok where she um will create uh like um scene out of a movie, just the audio from it, and then she'll just do the text over it and she'll like really interesting scenes and just do like the text and like has thousands of is already building up thousands of things. And I go, are you working on that? You know? And she's like, why, why do you care? I'm just curious. Like, you know, I get lots of light, lots of fun. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> she really doesn't give a shit. It's just like, like you think I don't give a shit. I mean, she's just I just playing. pretend. Just I just pretend not to give a shit. She really doesn't give a shit. 
(laughs) There's a difference. Um, I don't know. I just, I we'll see how it plays out in the long run. But um, speaking of um, one last thing I want to bring up, I know you, we probably got to go, but um, (laughs) Sandy, Sandy said, told me last night, she's like, yeah, she's like, would you code? It's just cursing the whole time. I'm like, I do. She's like, yeah. She's like, you're like, what the fuck? And why the fuck is it? <laughs> I just sit there. Apparently, I'm just dropping f bombs the whole time I'm coding. I just didn't even realize it. That's <laughs> funny. Just like, Jesus, <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Getting like co- it, that kind of coding and 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 feeling frustrated about something not happening is, I would say, is the one thing. I there there'll be times where I am on the tip of like actually exploding and like smashing the laptop into the wall, like it it just gets me so angry. It hit it hits a certain part of my brain. So yeah, I know that. I mean, I I know what you're talking about. It's like the general the general swearing, but but you t- technology has a way of frustrating the shit out of you that nothing else it does well i was it's funny thing is i wasn't even aware of that i was doing it that's what's so funny about it it's like you know she's just like sitting there shaking her head going good god (laughs) um no i just always talk to myself i mean that's what i'm doing like so the georgie is make makes fun of me because i'm just talking to myself okay so so the dollar sign there the x sign so it's your own version of chat gpt yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's chat JV. <laughs> so, well, I think we got the title for the show. What? Chat, what is chat the title JV. For the show? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our JV, chat, chat, dash JV. It's chat JVM, JV Multimedia. JVM.biz. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I don't think it's too much. Too much. You overdid it. You're you're killing <laughs> it. All right. All right. All right. So are we done? Can we you got anything else you wanna tell the people? You're all, all good? good? All right. That's a wrap. We're out.